Dust off your majestic clearance cards because it's Black Project Aircraft this week. What's flying that we know of, and what is flying that is beyond our imagination, we learn all that from author and military aircraft expert Mac Maloney as he joins the meat sacks this week on Hysteria 51. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? Not crazy. This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that knows the government has super secret black project aircraft in development. I mean, how else could you explain? This is Hysteria 51. <laughs> that was that was really weird. Uh, did you get that feedback too when I said... But there it is again. That's really weird, right? Anyway, broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, we are your hosts and majestic level government shills, Brent Hand and John Goforth. Seriously, though, what was that? It's happened twice, both times when you said... Pretty creepy, right? Less creepy, more annoying. So I'm, I'm guessing you're involved. That other voice you're hearing is the third host of this show and the only project we wish would have remained black. He's the one and the only conspiracy bot. You guys keep giving me trouble that I don't help enough on the show. Well, this week I'm pulling my weight. How? I'm adding intrigue to the show. If you redact something from the public, it instantly seems mysterious. Here I'll show you. Take notes. Oh, (laughs) I am. Tom DeLong recently spoke with high-level government officials and they confidentially acknowledged the existence of... Okay, uh, I'll admit I'm slightly... Aroused. I was going to say intrigued. Eh, same thing. Anyway, here it is again without the editing. Tom DeLong recently spoke with high-level government officials and they confidentially acknowledged the existence of a ham sandwich. I actually, I think I read that one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> see, but we get your point. But let's not do any more. It really... Sorry. Couldn't hear you. If you don't stop, I'm canceling your subscription to Toaster's Gone Wild. How else might I be of service today? If there's nothing, I'll patiently wait in the corner until I can be of some marginal help. Wow. <laughs> I kind of got to hand it to you, Brent. That, that worked pretty well. Every now and then, you get lucky. Anyway, tonight on the show, we have a very special... I'm going to break him, I swear to God. Uh, one more time, Seabot, and it's bath time. Test me, I dare you. <laughs> Brent, I think you were saying we have a special guest tonight who knows a lot more about Black Project aircraft than we do. Yeah. Now, before we get to him, let's talk about real quick what we mean by Black Project aircrafts. John, when you think of the term Black Project, what comes to mind? Off the books. Uh, right. it, it, it's it's classified. It's mysterious. It's But it's like super classified. I always think of... How else do you think a hammer costs $25,000? You know, the way they they funnel their money into these things. Right, right. The hammer costs $25,000. They buy 17,000 hammers, and all of a sudden they've got a project to to go build the Blackbird. Right. uh, The budget to go build the Blackbird. So Wikipedia actually breaks it down and says, a black project is a term used for a highly classified military or defense project publicly unacknowledged by government, military personnel, and contractors. So hush-hush stuff the government doesn't want you to know about. That's not inherently a bad thing. Well, and and you said doesn't want you to know about it. Really, it's probably more likely they don't want 
our enemies and other countries to know about. And they tell two friends and they tell two friends, you know, <laughs> right. and, the, and it, that really does happen. I think a lot of people think black products are inherently bad. I, I would venture a guess. And that is not the case or it doesn't have to be. But I'm, don't you think that that's kind of the I, don't know, the I would argue the opposite. I would argue they're good. Uh, I want my government working on projects that not only am I not privy to, China isn't privy to, North Korea isn't privy to, other other nations aren't well, aw- you're in luck. Yeah. <laughs> aren't aware of because uh, the reality is that we need to be ahead of these things. Right. Right. And any country would want to be ahead of these things. Yeah. Just like secrecy is an inherent thing when you have a government or anything. Secrecy is inherent when you have a laundromat. I'm sure, you know, you have things that that uh, you do and you don't share with competitors and things like that. Now, think of your uh, government. Well, and and it's not just about like, hey, what bombs are we building that we can't let anybody else know about? It's surveillance equipment. Right. Um, Oh, think about uh, think about the space race. Oh yeah, I mean, of right. course, and that's a really fine line for them to toe because, the, on one hand, you need public sentiment behind you to generate funding, so you kind of need to update people on what you're building, right? Right. But sometimes they'll put in a black but in black project um, various technologies to get us to space mm-hmm. and into the moon and further beyond. That's that's happened numerous times in this country's history. Right now, black projects is an all encompassing thing. You know, it's anything that you know they're not telling us about. We're focusing a little bit this week. We're actually talking about Black Project aircraft. Aircraft. And, and there's a couple of examples of United States military aircraft developed as Black Projects that have been released. One that's that's real popular still, the F-117 Nighthawk stealth attack aircraft. Or if you watched Executive Decision like I did the other night, it's what they used to dock to the oceanic airplane underneath it and travel you transfer the Delta Force personnel on board. That was a Kurt Russell vehicle, and it had Steven Skulls in it. He died. <laughs> he got sucked out of an airplane. So it's not a bad one. Well, bad I mean, what do you, it, no matter how long your ponytail, airplanes do suck you out. <laughs> the other one, the big I one. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> the SR-71 Blackbird. We talked about this a lot. Uh, in yeah, our, there's, there's, we, actually, we have approximately 40 episodes where we've mentioned this. Yeah. And, and for good reason, you know, it, it's got a, an amazing backstory. It's tied with area 51. It, it's just a fun plane. Plus it is the shape of in the, what they used to base off what the X-Men fly. Yeah. There's also black projects that never see the light of day. There was in the eighties, the government commissioned a black project for basically a huge dirigible. Uh, and it was it was for recon yes. purposes, mm-hmm. and I think it was called the uh, the Wild Blue Two or something like that. Uh, the Goodyear Pimp, and it had been go- it, 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 the, the idea started in the eighties, and actually in two thousand twelve there was a company that was working on it for the government. It was called the uh, it was called the Blue Devil Two, and the uh, the Air Force had commissioned this company Mav Six to produce it, and then right when they had finished it and were about to you know actually use it. They they did a 180, like, ah, you know what? We don't need that anymore. Oh, wow. And it was a big deal for that company. They're like, okay, you still owe us money. So this, so this was the stealth blimp, reconnaissance blimp thing? Yep. That's so a, yeah. they, 
I'd always heard her that it was it was still it was speculated but not classified. So they came out and said, "Yeah, we we had this contract." That's awesome. I was reading an article by Wired, and the well, article Wired is the, it's it's not an Angel Fire website, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, the 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 um, reporter actually snuck on to wow. the Mav Six. The people at Mav Six brought I, him in, and I didn't had, even know Alex Jones worked for them, <laughs> and had to sneak him around Air Force guards. And there's pictures in this article. If you, it's from 2000. This is our new intern, the seven foot six inch person. Hello, sir. It's like <laughs> just the other person that normally works there is on his shoulders. <laughs> Good day. Good day to work in the black project, eh? <laughs> and he's mustached now yeah. for some reason. Yeah, what's going on here? Uh, the article was from 2012. It was called Check Out This Giant Spy Blimp Before the Air Force 86 is me. <laughs> No, before the Air Force kills it, like the uh, project, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know. and uh, and sure enough that I mean, that's what happened. They were I, I don't know what the follow up was. They were going to try to sell it to another arm of the military. But right. that that was a black project. Yeah. You got all these. They're highly classified and denied as existing intel. They're ready to be announced to the public. Uh, like I said, we talked about the, the SR-71 and Area 51. Both of those fall into this camp in the United States. The term, the formal term for a black project is Special Access Program, SAP, S-A-P. Uh, and the, the money that- Because you're a SAP if you don't believe they're real. Right. And the money that funds these projects is referred to as black budget. And that is something that you always hear, you know, money is earmarked for black budget projects, but a lot of times that money you don't even realize is, is earmarked. So just saying black project conjures up all sorts of thoughts and ideas. It is definitely a buzz term, and it gives you this feeling of, ooh, you know, at least it does to me. And we wanted to stay on the aircraft lines this week when talking them, so we decided to bring in an expert on the subject. Joining us this week is Mac Maloney. Mac is an author and has written more than 50 novels, including military thrillers, action adventure, science fiction, and historical fiction. His series include Wingman, Chopper Ops, Superhawks, and more. On top of that, he's also worked as a consultant to a company working for the U.S. government on anti-terrorist programs and is an expert on black project aircraft and aircraft in general. It's a lot of stuff there, Mac. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to uh, join you. I'm putting you on the spot here. How many books have you written and uh, how many pen names have you used? Because you've used a few. It's 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 over 50 books. It's more than 50 books. You know, after after really 20, you, sh you stop counting because it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's over. It's over uh, 50, 50 books. And as you said, most of them are novels, but I've done some um, nonfiction stuff with the UFOs in wartime and uh, beyond area 51. Uh, those are uh, nonfiction books about, well, UFOs in wartime and then other uh, places like Area 51 around the world. And then we did uh, Mac, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, which is just a collection of weird stories that I've picked up along the way. Very cool. Tell us about yourself. How did you become so interested and involved in not only the aircraft, but black projects, Area 51, stuff like that, aliens, this whole genre? Yeah, so the paranormal. Speak. Yeah. What, right. was, what was the tie that binds? Wow. How much time do you have? Um, <laughs> right. You know, it really all started when my, my father was a veteran of World War II. Uh, he was in the Pacific for four years in the Navy. And um, he because of that, he became kind of a um, World War II history buff. So when I was growing up, he always had books around the house having to do with um, he was into aircraft in a big way. He was also into submarines. And just as a kid, I used to pick them up at first just to look at the pictures. And then when I right. was able to read, you know, 
I would read them over and over, especially the uh, aircraft books. And then, you know, as I got a little older, would get books like that out of the library. Uh, my older brother was in the Air Force. He was in Vietnam. He would send me stuff uh, back, uh, you know, that just different kinds of stuff. He was an aircraft mechanic over there. And at the same time, I had this kind of fascination with science fiction. And and for me, uh, there's like science fiction and UFO. They're not the same thing, but, you know, they're in the same, yeah. you know, general area. So that's what I grew up, you know, reading. You know, I really didn't read anything else except science fiction and, and, and military and aircraft books and just, you know, went to high school, went to uh, went to college for journalism, went to graduate school for filmmaking and just kind of continued, uh, you know, just uh, keeping up with what was going on with, with the U.S. military, different kind of military planes and also with uh, UFOs and stuff. So, you know, that's the short version. And, you know, here we are. I mean, that makes complete sense. The the cool part is not only do you look at these these aircraft that absolutely exist, but what we find in so many of these topics, especially topics that involve the Southwest, is, you know, could this particular UFO sighting, could this particular weird paranormal case actually be related to some sort of black project, right? Mm-hmm. And and it, it feels like that. It feels like sometimes that that's like the only answer. Right. Um, just so people have a, a point of reference for you, I know a lot of times it's a case-by-case scenario, but in general, do you find yourself leaning in that direction? Do you find yourself to be more of a, no, I really do think that there are extraterrestrial happenings and phenomena in in these cases or, or somewhere in between? Well, I, I mostly lean towards um, you know the explanation that what people are seeing are either top secret aircraft or just regular aircraft, and they're seeing them under, under what they consider unusual circumstances, like at night, a bright light at night. Right. Chances are very good that that's an ordinary aircraft. But if you're in the southwest, if you're in somewhere around uh, the Nevada uh, test range and you see something flying around up there, then the chances are good, in in my opinion, that it's just some kind of, you know, military test plane that they are flying out there because that's what they do out there. And um, but, you know, that's not to say that every strange thing that people see, you know, has some kind of an earthly explanation because it's obvious there are UFOs. I mean, UFOs exist. People see them all the time, but they're mistaken. You know, uh, people are mistaken a number of times um, because they're seeing something that's odd and it's flying, but, you know, there's a good chance it's, it's, you know, one of ours. Right. And that's the big distinction. We, you know, we always try to say in this show and our, our listeners that listen a lot of times are probably sick of us saying this, but unidentified flying object or, or UAP, unidentified aerial phenomenon doesn't mean alien. It just means exactly right. what it is. It's something in the sky that we don't know what it is. Right. And, exactly. And we, meaning the layman people that, that don't have the background that you do, are much more likely to misdiagnose what we're seeing in the air as something maybe more than it is. And getting into this topic with these black projects, a lot of previously classified projects are now very much in the, the public eye. Mm-hmm. Stuff that, you know, the, the, the B-2 stealth bomber, it's still in service. The big one, we talked about it earlier on the show, the SR-71 Blackbird, the ox cart. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. re- retired in 1998. I think that's the one that people in their mind, when you think of a black aircraft, I think that one is what people conjure a lot of times, you right. know, um, at least for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's the one that I envision. It's the, st- it's the stereotype. It's right. the, right. it's what people just did. Whenever you say that word, that's what comes to their mind. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's a very it's a unique aircraft. I'm sure you guys know. You know, I mean, it, they built that uh, Kelly Johnson at the Skunk Works, Lockheed Skunk Works. You know, they they put that thing together in in months and not years. The same thing as they did for the U two. You know, they. Uh, they were almost like uh, custom uh, building, um, you know, cool automobiles, but they just did cool airplanes right. and whatever the government needed, they built it. You know, and you look at the the SS-71, if you, if you ever see any uh, footage of it before takeoff, the pilots look like they're, going, they're astronauts going right. to the moon. And uh, if you look closer, you can see that it's leaking. It, it leaked fuel all the time because, you know, when it would get up to its, you know, very high altitude, everything would kind of compress and seal off the um, the fuel tanks and everything. But they couldn't do that on the ground because then if, if you brought it way up there, then it would crack. So they intentionally, you know, in, not intentionally, but they had to let this thing kind of leak a little bit, take off. Fuel up again, aerial refueling, and then get up to you know uh, altitude, and they'd fly you know twenty miles high sometimes, and uh, everything would kind of compress, and and then it would seal everything off. But you know, it went very fast. I mean, twenty five hundred miles an hour is what they would tell you, but I've had people tell me that it was much faster. I've heard stories about people who worked up Portsmouth Air Force Base, Pease Air Force Base, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire is really right up the up the coast from us. You know, would get like an emergency call of for an SR-71 that's you know just flew over Iceland, and they said, you know, we'll be there in about fifteen minutes. You know, can you clear a <laughs> runway? You know, so stuff like that. You know, right. and and um, you know, when it happened, and this, and, and I know that people would like to think that, you know, this is some kind of uh, you know reverse engineered UFO technology and so on, but you know, it, it definitely isn't. And um, and it, and also, we should give props to the people who actually invented this thing. People it was just love, like this, yeah. To, to- crap on human ingenuity and stuff right like that. yeah exactly yeah i agree with you you know this thing's a magnificent airplane i, I you know it is retired and and but i still think there is probably a couple still flying around and um and then what is always intriguing to me is you know what what took its place people want to say spy satellites took its place but spy satellites can't do everything you have to have some kind of an aircraft to uh, do really good recon right in order to to have a spy satellite you're locked into where it's at you know what i mean and <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't deploy it in the time that you can with an airplane. Now I know drones and things like that have taken right. over into a lot of that, but, um, yeah, that's, that's a really fascinating. Is that, at- and that's why, um, like, you're such an expert. You can probably shine some light on it for us. Isn't that why they initially were trying to build those, those giant spy blimps, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the idea that the satellite's not going to do everything, but we need a craft that's a little bit more agile than that. Sure. And and they have those, you know, they've had them for quite a while. And, and one of the technologies that has kind of leaked out having to do with those spy blimps is that they were able to, and again, I'm probably telling you something you already know, but they were able to uh, build it so they had sensors on the top of the blimp, uh, which would uh, exactly mimic what was going on in the sky above and project it onto the bottom of the blimp. So if one of these things flew over you, in at, at night and it was a let's say it was a clear night and all the stars are out well it's, it's basically taking pictures of the stars above it and projecting it on the bottom and so when you look up all you see is stars so that thing that's invisible you know right and uh, and they've had those things floating around out there for at least 20 years i don't know how often they employ them you know whether they you know employ them overseas or whatever but uh, they do exist in you know, and maybe even that's a little obsolete now. Um, well, wasn't there a wasn't wasn't there a big hubbub about uh, what was that company Mav Six? They created one, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Air Force is like, yeah, you know, on second thought, we don't want that one. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, the, 
and so they got kind of got left hung out to dry. But I oh, guess well, that could be. I guess that happens when you're building black projects. Well, <laughs> you know, stuff like uh, another one. You know, the the Northrop Tacit Blue. I think it was uh, right. Retired in '85. Yep. It what it flew a couple times. You know, they 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 mm-hmm. put all this money into some of these planes that are going to be replacing others, and then they go, eh, no, no. Well, it's, gonna- yeah, they're t- they're test beds. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. any some. Somewhere between, you know, nine out of every 10, you know, test beds, secret aircraft, you know, they don't get to, let's say, the manufacturing stage, but every everyone is a step to it. You know, the tacit blue, which if you see it, if that's the one I'm talking, I'm thinking about, it looks like a flying whale. I yes, mean, that's, it, it looks is, like a flying beluga whale. It looks you know? like a um, someone took an SR-71 Blackbird and stung it with a bunch of bees. Or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> real <laughs> wide. And uh, yeah, whale right. is actually a much better way to put it. It right. is an ugly, ugly, ugly plane. Right. But it tested for, you know, th- th- what became the stealth fighter and then, you know, um, the, the B-2 stealth bomber. Uh, that's how they tested, you know, the the rudimentary things of, uh, of you know, quote-unquote stealth. So that led to, you know, the, the um, F-117 Nighthawk stealth mm-hmm. fighter and the B-2 and – and really everything else because, you know, the F-22 Raptor is also a stealth plane yep. and um, I guess the F-35 can be or whatever. So, yeah, so when they, people see things, you know, there are two, there are instances where there's only two or three of these models ever built, tested. And when people see that and they say, this doesn't look like it, I mean, this looks like a flying whale. Of course, they're going to say this is a UFO. It right, just doesn't exactly. look earthly. Was it the SR-71 or, or, or a different aircraft that they were working on so much before we realized it that w- – it was crazy ahead of its time. It's um, that was probably the uh, the the stealth fighter. They had the stealth fighter in um, there's there's a place in Nevada that's even more secret than Area 51. It's called the Tonopah Test Range. Mm-hmm. It's up near Tonopah, Nevada. It's about halfway between Reno and Vegas, and it's a, it's a small town. And about 30 miles outside that town is this old World War II base that uh, the government has, it, it took over a long time ago. And they do some really secret stuff there. And the stealth fighter flew out of there for almost 10 years, 10 years before anyone even knew it existed. And, and, and you know, they had special hangers for it. And they would do things like they would put uh, this uh, airplane, this uh, Vietnam-era uh, attack plane called the A-7 Corsair. They would park th- them out on the uh, runway. And they would give um, uh, the IFF uh, code boxes uh from the from the a7s they would put them in the stealth fighter so when they're flying around they only flew at night it, it you know from all from all intents and purposes it looked like an a7 was flying around out That's there sure. but it's really it's really the stealth fighter and and only you know when they uh, did the attack on panama uh was the stealth fighter kind of like revealed but it, it had been flying around for almost 10 years that's crazy so if you got to look at all the um you know, the aircraft that have been black projects that have came out and they're now declassified, the ones that we have been confirmed. Do you have one that you find the most intriguing or your favorite? Well, I think the stealth fighter, really, because just the way they put it together and and, and the time that they, um, you know, kind of conceived of it and and built it and then keep it, you know, hidden really for 10 years. Uh, there's, a, there's a great story that it's in Ben Rich's book. Ben Rich was like the um, executive officer of the Skunk Works when mm-hmm. Kelly Johnson was there. And he tells a story about how, you know, they're out in the desert and now they're going to test the first stealth fighter. And they're out in the middle of the desert with a radar set. And, and they know that the thing is, you know, approaching them from the north. So they're all around this radar set. You're just praying nothing shows up on the radar screen, right? But then they see a blip. They see a blip coming. They go, oh, man, all this work for nothing. But what it was, it was the chase plane. It was the chase plane right <laughs> next to the thing. 
you know, and, and it, and it didn't show up on radar, but it, but the way they did it was it's, it's, you know, it's the paint, it, it's the angles, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that can deflect the radar, but it's also stuff like, you know, you shut all your communications off. You, fl- you fly as cold as you can. So they had all these dampers and stuff on the, on the exhaust pipes. And it's really a system, you know, it's, it's, it's not one thing that keeps it off radar. It's, it's a system. It's not like a, a Star Trek cloaking device. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and, and it doesn't even have to be black because the, you know, as I said, the F-22 is as stealthy as the original stealth fighter. You know, but it just isn't in that cool black, you right, know. So, right. so yeah, I think that for them to do that, for them to pull that off in the short amount of time and then once again keep it secret while it was going through its, uh, you know, training phases and stuff, I think that's really kind of remarkable. Absolutely. We're going to go ahead and head to break. But when we come back, we're going to talk what might be out there, what we haven't been uh, declassified yet. That's coming up next on Hysteria 51. <laughs> Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users... David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and Mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value. And you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use. And we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term. And uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started for very limited time. Hysteria Fifty One listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. How much? Fifty percent. Visit Rosetta Stone dot com slash today that's 50 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life wow redeem redeem, redeem. how do they do it rachete your 50 oh. percent off <laughs> rachete <laughs> redeem it 50 percent off rosettastone.com slash today do it today After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. 
So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to him, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. <laughs> so everyone loves to talk about, I mean, I, I don't know if everyone, I, I'm not at your Thanksgiving, but everyone always talks about uh, stealth planes and we want to talk about, you know, what, what might be out there. And I think one of the first ones that comes to mind is a name that, you know, gets thrown around a lot is the Aurora. Yeah, well, it gets thrown around a lot for, like, lots of different projects. Right, right. <laughs> right. Rumored mid-1980s right. American reconnaissance aircraft, uh, the government denies it. And uh, Ben Rich, you were talking about him earlier, he actually, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he, he said in his book, uh, Skunk Works, 1994, he said it was just a myth. He wrote that uh, a colonel working in the Pentagon arbitrarily assigned the name Aurora to the funding for the B-2 bomber design competition, and it just stuck the media it leaked it out and that's exactly what happened what are your thoughts in the alleged aurora project do you do you believe that there's a plane out there or do you believe that story or or do you have thoughts on it well you know it that sounds like to me like a cover story but i do know that um you know sometimes things are just written down and 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 you know suddenly that's how it is for instance the the ss-71 is supposed to be the rs-71 but when they first announced it lyndon johnson you know, uh, gave a speech where he refu- where he transposed the number, uh, the letters, and it turned out to be SR seventy one, and it stuck because no one wanted to tell him he was wrong. Oh my god, know? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's how it got its name, and and the whole idea of that, you know, let's just call it Aurora, and that would be uh, for B two funding. You know, I, I mean, that's that that could go either way. You know, uh, but I do know this is that there's something out there because um, there's a aviation writer. His name is Mike Spick. And he's written a, a number of books, and he's in popular mechanics and popular engineering. And this guy really knows his stuff. And he reported, this is a this is a while ago, man. This is probably in the eighties that they noticed. He noticed that like at a certain time every Friday at three o'clock in the afternoon or whatever, that the seismographs that go up and down California's the San Andreas Fault, mm-hmm. they would actually kind of like uh, register a little bit of a rumbling. 
okay? Um, uh, not in the ground, but like going overhead. That's how sensitive wow. these things are. And they kind of match that up to, you know, like the flight path heading towards Area 51, you know? So, you know, that's the really kind of detective work that, you know, that 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 is cool for people like us. You right. know, someone, has to, someone can go and do all that stuff and we can read about it. But – you know, that was that was something and that would that might be that would lead people to believe that that's like a true ramjet type of an aircraft, mm-hmm. which is a completely different way of flying. And um, but something was flying over there and there was it was it was taking off and heading home, heading back to Area 51. And there was enough to, as I say, kind of trigger these seismographs. Now, what yeah. uh, you say ramjet uh, for our listeners at home and me, uh, what what exactly does that mean? OK, well, see, a a. A regular jet engine, okay, and I'm no expert, but this is, you know, the this is how I understand it is. It's basically, you know, you you it's a fan. If you can, if you if you imagine a parasol, a kid's parasol, you know, you you kind of get that spinning in the wind, and it compresses the air behind it, and then right. uh, you you inject fuel and into that compressed air, and then light it, and you're going to have a lot of thrust. I mean, that's the principle of a jet engine. Sure. Uh, and that's how every, you know, 99% of the jet engines in the world today work. With ramjacks, you get up there, and it's actually the speed of the jet itself that forces so much of, so much air into the air intakes that, and then you, you, then it's really, really compressed, and then you throw a lot of fuel, lift fuel on it, and you're going to have like a lot of thrust. I mean, a yeah, lot of thrust. Yeah, it compresses the air. They call it the flying stovepipe. It compresses right, yes, air exactly. so much, and then they, they ignite it with the, uh, the fuel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. And that's what it is. It's, it, the, the flight of the aircraft itself is, is responsible for sucking in so much, um, air to, to be compressed. And so that means you have like very, very big, uh, engines and very, also very, very, very loud. Uh, very loud. Yeah. If you're you're yeah. setting off seismographs as you fly, which right. is a lot yeah. of these things that goes into the whole story of how much cover work they have to do. And you, you talked about this this gentleman who had done all this investigative work and found out there are people outside of Tonopah, there are people outside of Area 51 who have military are are, are plane spotters. That mm-hmm. can see something flying through, the, probably you too, can see things flying through the sky and go, that's what this is, that's what that is, they can hear it, they can see it, and then they see or hear these one things and they go, I don't know what that is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's True. what's really interesting, and that's that's the the hope for, I think, that a lot of people take away is or, or right. what they, you know. Right, and, and another, thing, another thing that people could see, might be seeing flying out there is um, that um, – during well, it started in the Vietnam War, and I'm sure it continues on today. As you know, the CIA, uh, the U.S. military or government, are able to acquire f- through various means uh, Russian-built and Chinese-built aircraft, mm-hmm. and they bring them over here, and they have our pilots fly them against uh, you know our airplanes. It's it's basically Top Gun, but with real uh, foreign equipment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, people might see, you know, let's say an SU 34 Russian fighter flying over it, and they might know what U S military aircraft look like, but they might not know what that looks like or something even more exotic looking. Right. And they could, I could see that them, you know, being confused whether they think it's a UFO or not. I don't know, but they, if they know their airplanes, they might think, Oh, what's a Russian fighter doing here <laughs> flying over Nevada? And and people might see them dogfighting with F-16s and F-15s and stuff and say, wow, what's going on here? You know, well, it's 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 just really training 
our military pilots to the nth the, degree. The proper way. Another aircraft people talk about or they've seen or is, is blamed, not one that, this is just a name, you know, but the, the TR-3A, TR-3B, the, the Black Manta, what I'm saying by that is like triangle aircraft. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that they see triangle craft flying over over right. their head and that's been something that has been speculated to be under development under a black project uh the only evidence for such an aircraft is based on several reported sightings from people uh you've got you know the phoenix lights uh, there was a southern illinois incident kansas texas these are places where large groups of people have said that they've seen these large swept wing and it's craft. not and it's not just the shape also it's the behavior right the right. ability of the craft to stop on a dime stay where it is, then keep going, then move very fast, zip in and out. All of that that weird behavior that we wouldn't understand to kind of go along with regular planes that we're aware of, go along with these sightings. So, Mac, why do you Uh think so many people are seeing triangle-shaped craft? Well, um, you know, once again, we we talk about this on our radio show a lot. And, um, you know, people see, they call them the flying Doritos and so on. And, um, you know, some people see uh, a a contrail that looks like um, donuts on a rope. And that would, uh, you know, indicate some kind of a ramjet or a pulse engine, they call it. Um, But the interesting thing, too, is that um, there was an airplane called the uh, A-12, I believe it was. And what it was going to be was the Navy's version of the stealth fighter. And it looked like a flying Dorito. I mean, it just that's the way it looked. And um, let's see, back in the Bush administration, the the W administration, Cheney, which was, who was actually in charge of a lot of military stuff, he canceled it after like $14 billion was was spent on this, developing this plane that, you know, quote unquote, never, never saw the light of day. Now people say, wow, what a waste of money, you know, that this thing never got off the drawing board. But you see that 14, as we were talking about earlier, you know, that $14 billion, it went for something and it probably went for something that people are seeing now, people are seeing these days, you know, right. and that would be the, the flying Dorito thing. Still secret, but you know, that's, that's, that was its, that was its daddy. You know what I mean? And, um, so, but people do see them a lot. They see them a lot over Texas for, for sure in New Mexico and people and get in touch with us. That they're going to see those in those areas because that's where the bases are. And right. the reason the bases are out there is because the people aren't out there in a lot of those places, you know, it, right. it's much more uh, sparsely populated. Right, right. And and there's also another thing going on here, too, is that, you know, back in the uh, early 50s, um, when the CIA got involved in, you know, the whole UFO thing, right, what they just what they did, what they purposely did was they they knew people were always on the lookout for UFOs. So they would have, let's say, a secret aircraft in early 50s. They would fly it, let's say, at uh, 15,000 feet over Los Angeles. And then they would check the newspapers the next day to see how many UFO reports there were, right? Right. And th- later on, they would fly it over at 20,000 feet, see how many, you know, and, and it would obvi- it would always be, you know, less, right? And then mm. if they flew it at 30,000 feet and no one reported UFOs, then they knew, right. you know, There's how the high they had to fly. It's the safe distance. Knew, right? Yeah. That's, oh, and they man. did that. So maybe they're doing the same thing, you know? I mean, pe- people also see them in the North Sea a lot, over the North Sea. So they must be flying out of the UK somewhere or Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, th- and people have been seeing them for quite a while. But, you know, why this hasn't been made public yet? Well, you know, maybe it's just something that's, that's uh, once again, it's a test bed, you know? And, and they're, they're 
testing all aspects of it. But right. they're out there because once again, people take a picture of them, and so many people have seen them that you know they have to be seeing something. You're right, and also a lot of sightings over Siberia, another place that right. there's not a ton of people running mm-hmm. around. Um, but speaking of sightings, Brent, you mentioned it earlier. Specifically, we did an episode on this on this phenomenon before the Phoenix Lights. Uh, do you have any specific thoughts on on that incident and, and on what happened that night or those nights? Well, you know, it, it's funny because I've seen the um, they did a special on TV on them maybe about five or six years after it happened. And what they showed was the lights going down over the um, over the mountains and 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 they their explanation was and it seemed like a good explanation was that you know there was some kind of a military exercise going on uh, on the other side of the mountain which i believe is uh, Luke Air Force Base is there and and they were doing night operations and these were flares going down and 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 you know where people said they saw them disappear actually what they're doing is they're going down behind the mountains but but on those same nights what other people saw were these enormous triangular you know um whatever slow they were moving you know craft, slow yeah. moving stuff size of an aircraft carrier lots of amber and green lights on them the exact same over the whole state not over just the whole state. Yeah, yeah. Moving, yeah. yeah yeah not just phoenix and it was funny that it would it happened around the same time and that's the exact same description as the hudson valley sightings from the 80s mm-hmm. exactly what people were seeing so you know, that might have – I mean, that could have been one of these spy blimps, though. People saw them traveling at very high speeds, but they also saw them kind of floating. Who knows what that was, you know? Yeah, but, I was going to say, like, where would you hide something of that size? Right. You know? Um, in a big hangar. In a big <laughs> hangar out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, you're right. A hangar that might look like the side of a mountain. Yeah. Or something, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the best place – that's the best place to put this stuff, you know, is there's a lot of – you know, Area 51 does have some, you know, kind of – underground or in the mountain type of chambers and everything. But most of the stuff they do is outside. But there's a lot of other things that obviously the best way to hide it, especially from satellites, is put inside a mountain. And and that's what they do. We do it. The Russians do it. Natural protection. Right. Overall, your, your belief is that uh, from a Black Project aircraft perspective, whether it's called the Black Manta or something else, that there's a, as you'd call it, a Dorito running around out there that is, is still classified and still you know uh, a black project mm-hmm. uh, there's there's something yeah there has something. to be with the amount of people that see it right you know incredible credible witnesses to say right. that there is nothing i think is is a ridiculous notion in my book right right you know they all can't be wrong you know they all can't be wrong so they're seeing something and they also have like recordings of you know air traffic controllers you know, um, you know, picking up, you know, there's there's some kind of a code that, you know, means this is a military flight. You know, don't ask us any more questions. But you do get that message, let's say, at, at, a, at a control tower in El Paso. And then, you know, two minutes later, some guy in uh, you know, Louisiana is getting the same thing. Wow. Well, yeah. that that's that's moving quickly. <laughs> that's you know? a pretty good clip. Yeah. Right. While we're talking about while we're talking about sightings and weird things that have happened, another one that pops up goes back a little bit further in history. Uh, but, you know, Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. And, yes. you know, on one side of the coin, it's just being a UFO, some sort of crash. Maybe it was a, a black project crash or mm-hmm. maybe it was aliens crash or and some people even argue it was the Nazi bell that just reappeared in uh, <laughs> traveling, <laughs> through time. traveling through time. Um, have you done much, uh, much research into into the Kecksburg incident and have any thoughts if it could be you know, tied to the military, if anything is there, there? I mentioned it in one in uh, UFOs in one time. And once again, we talk about it on the show every 
once in a while. Um, what it really looked like to me, and this is the thing that kind of fills in most of the blanks, again, you know, for me, is um, that it was a Soyuz uh, Russian spacecraft because it the people who saw it before the military showed up, they said it looked like a big acorn. And, you know, that's what Soyuz that's capsule. Like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, now. People did say that they saw it take like a 90-degree turn or a 180-degree turn. Well, you know, a Soyuz capsule coming back to Earth is not going to do that. But let's just say those people were mistaken. If you if you take all the other descriptions of it and, you know, how it landed, what it looked like and so on, and how the military was like right there um, to uh, put it on the truck and, and take it away, that that's the kind of reaction you would get if – you know, we were lucky enough to have a Russian capsule land on the United St- in the United States. Right. Now, didn't you they know? they deployed chutes right when they were coming down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, well, they're supposed to. Yeah. Well, right. So, couldn't that have been also a, a late deployment of a chute? Could have you know caught and, and shot it turned it around. Yeah, sure. you know, I yeah. always think about stuff like that, and yeah. you don't see it happen, and then you go, "Whoa, that thing just moved!" You know, right. Yeah, right. I, think and, got, and, I think you're both missing the bigger picture here. You forget to mention that when it opened and, and an SS uh, oh, right. <laughs> officer stepped right. out and brushed yeah, right. the crumbs off his we, shoulders. Uh, and, we forgot about that. <laughs> so, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> what what year is this? When am I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. We're going to head back to break again. But when we come back, we're going to pick Max's brain on what we're missing in the skies above. What's out there on Hysteria 51? <laughs> Gentlemen, when am I? That's a that's a hell of a statement. <laughs> you know, I was thinking during the break, um, the description of the you know the big Dorito. I think Doritos should capitalize on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> every time every they need a time black they're, Dorito. They're, they're, yeah, they need a black Dorito, and every time there's like a UFO uh, spotting or sighting that's triangular in nature, you know, Doritos does a big campaign. Get- I'm surprised they haven't for like a Super Bowl ad. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, so if you guys be perfect Super Bowl ad, yeah, right, right. We are talking with Mac Maloney. We're talking all sorts of things that are in the sky, what we know of, what we don't know of. What's out there, I think, is the big thing that we don't know of. Have you seen any of these personally, Mac? Have you have you seen things you're like, I don't know what that is? Uh, well, good question. Um, I'm going to say uh, yes. Uh, a couple of times. Well, I've never seen what I consider a UFO. But um, we were um, down on the beach. We live right on the live along the coast of Massachusetts near Boston. And we were down on the beach one day and saw these two lights coming to us, two sets of lights coming towards us over these marshes kind of and um, blinking lights. And, and just as you would think a UFO, you know, would be described as or would look like. Um, and, and I remember saying I said to my wife, I says, here it is. You know, I'm finally going to see a UFO after all these years. <laughs> and. These things went right over our heads, and they were medevac helicopters heading mm. to the hospital in town, you know. But, and it's only that they went close to us that we realized what they were. If they were, Think you know, maybe yeah. a, a quarter mile away, I, I would have sworn on a stack of a completely bibles. different conversation right now. <laughs> yeah, it's true, you know. So, um, so I never like really have seen what I consider a UFO. But on the same, uh, you know. Um, on the other hand, once again, we were down here. We live on this island off of Massachusetts. And one night the lights went out. It was during one of the World Series games, too, as it turns out. So it would be uh, 2013 when the Sox were in the series anyway. And so we were able to 
we went out on our porch and there was there absolutely no light pollution at all. Okay. And, and we really don't experience that too often in our lives these days, but this was just complete pitch black. So you could see everything in the sky. And, um, these two lights went over us and, um, they just look like two airplanes flying together, to tell you the truth. And then right before our eyes, once they got out of the ocean, they split up into five different lights and went in five different directions. Wow. It happened in about 20 seconds. And we just looked at each other and said, whoa, what the heck was that? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have no idea what they were. You know, I mean, was it, I, I, I don't know, drones, you know, acrobatic that, drones? That or sounds something? like, I mean, the only thing that comes to mind, you know, would be something like that. I think that in a lot of cases now, misidentification can be tagged to drones. Yes. They're so prevalent. Right. So many These people days, yeah. are. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Years and years and years ago, uh, a friend of mine and I had a side company called Advanced Aerial Photography, mm-hmm. and we had a helicopter that the front was on like a, a gimbal, and it was a camera, and we would take photographs of houses and things like that for people, uh, drainage dishes and stuff like that, and it had lights on it, and we've had people go, I saw you flying that. It looks so crazy. Mm-hmm. We were a little too early. We were trying to, drones weren't out yet, and no one could understand why you'd want something in the sky with a camera. And then a few years later, everyone wants something in the sky with a camera. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, right. You know, but we had some fun and made a little cash doing it, you know? And it's funny because when it is up in the sky, it does look weird, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you try to explain away stuff like that, your mind doesn't go, oh, that's just. You know, that's just a plane or that's just a drone. It goes to you go dark very fast. I think mm-hmm. it's the, 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 the natural reaction to a lot of these things. Right. Uh, you know, and because people go dark on these, uh, they, they keep a lot of these things secret. But why so much secrecy? It's been a long time since we've had a whoa disclosure on one of these planes. It feels like you know, why such secrecy and why for so long do you think? I think it's uh, you know it's it's a it's a really good question because you're right because after a while everything always comes out like the B two came out and the stealth fighter came mm-hmm. out you know uh, things like uh, the F twenty two in it wasn't really a, a secret project but it, that's a good question because you're right it seems like we're overdue for some kind of an announcement of hey listen this is what we have we've had this thing flying around for five years whatever but you know things have changed too you know I mean mm-hmm. the world is. Um, you know, when the, when the stealth fighter came out, I mean, it, it did take part in the uh, first Gulf War, um, and they, and they retired them over 15 years ago. Um, uh, you know, um, it doesn't, you're right. Nothing has happened since really the B2 that I can think of. And, and why not? I, I think it's because, you know, we live in a more dangerous world now than back in the nineties and the, and the, you know, and, um, and we don't want our adversaries to know, what we're doing, though, though there is, a, you know, there's a PR element to this is that, you know, when the time is right and if everybody, you know, uh, has their hands on the right switches, you you do reveal something because your adversaries then know, well, if they're telling us this now, then, you know, this is old, you know, they're already 10 years ahead of us here. So right. sometimes you want to poke the bear a little bit. But, you know, but you're right. It, there's been no disclosures of any top secret aircraft uh, except the um uh, that X, X-37B, which is that miniature space shuttle yeah, yeah. That, that goes up and, and floats around up there for a year. For a you year, know. yeah. yeah. That, and, but that's really just 
that's all we know about it, you know, or, or, or they, uh, say it's doing atmospheric testing. And, and someone says, you don't go into orbit to do atmospheric. testing. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, they forgot to finish the sentence. It's testing the atmosphere, or political atmosphere in Russia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the co-hosts on our show uh, is his radio name is Commander Cobra, but he uh, was um, he, he's a military contractor pilot. Uh, he did four tours in Iraq. He, he works for the military now. And, um, you know, he he's he's the person who kind of you know lets us in on, you know, some of these things. And, and he will uh, he'll tell us that, you know, basically what I, I've said is that, you know, nine nine times out of 10 people are going to mistake these things flying around. But, uh, you know, it's that 10th one. It, it would if you're really into this stuff, it'll blow your mind what it what it can do, you know, right. and, and with this X. 37B, he swears that 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 can be adapted quickly for man flight. It's unmanned now. And um, he also says that it's really just kind of like a, um, you know, like a, a delivery truck for, you know, whatever they have going on up there, you know, satellite wise or whatever. So it's a very strange little thing. But that's 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 the closest getting back to your point. That's the closest, you know, top secret aircraft that they've revealed to us in a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, and th- this this breaks off into a into a whole nother conversation that I think is is one that I wanted to get into with you. Another reason that they that we might not have had, uh, you know, uh, one of those come out in a while could be the level of secrecy and the level of secrecy meaning that um, they're flying around with either a uh, UFOs that that were extraterrestrial in nature. So they actually have one like, you know, that come from the stories of, oh, yeah, there was a down spacecraft and we took it um, mm-hmm. or two. They had the down spacecraft and used it to uh, to improve our own technology and create our mm-hmm. own um do you think, and I know this is all speculation because none of us are, you know, too too far on the inside, but do you, do you think that either of those scenarios have plausibility? Do you think that we actually um, potentially have technologies like that? And, and you know, I mean, that obviously could be a reason for secrecy, but uh, that we're playing around with stuff like that, like, you know, the Bob Lazar thing. Right. No, I have no belief in any of that. I don't think that the U.S. military knows what UFOs are. I know they know. I know they know they exist because they have lots of evidence that they do exist. And you mean ex- do you mean from extraterrestrial origin? Whatever they are. Yeah. They, okay. For the un, for the things that we can identify for what people see, the cigar shaped objects, the saucer shaped objects, the, you know, the Nimitz event, the Tic Tac as of recent, right. you know, that right. have come out. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that they know you know, what these things are, because that is an incredibly scary statement. Right. And, and therefore, um, I don't, you know, they don't have re-engineered technology from, from UFOs because if they did, we'd be living in a different world. Okay. Let's just say, as a lot of people say that, you know, that they've re-engineered, uh, the UFO that crashed at Roswell. That's another, there's another discussion, but I don't think anything happened at Roswell, but let's just take that, you know, to, to start the conversation. Well, if if we were able to reverse engineer something from a UFO, let's say some kind of an anti-gravitational device, which everyone wants to kind of hop on that bandwagon, why would we have spent billions and billions of dollars in people's lives launching the space shuttle up in orbit? That's like launching a dump truck. You know, right, why would you, right. you know, really, why would you go yeah. through all that? And, and why would you keep it secret? 
You know what I mean? Why would you keep it secret all this all this time? And why would you keep it out of the hands of industry? That's another. That's the biggest thing is because you know they would want to commercialize something like that. So so you know we would be living in the Jetsons world if somehow they figured out how to do how to reengineer something from that is not of this earth. And and I don't see that happening. I love that point that you just made about you know industry and capitalizing on it. At the end of the day, whether it, follow the money, we always say that, and you, you'd think that somehow there'd be money being made on it. Uh, you're you're absolutely right. That's really interesting. We were talking about these things are flying around, and you, you talked about Tonopod and out in the West and Area 51. Where are the hotbeds that these things are being tested at? Do you think, or that you know of, that that these these planes are are being stored and flown out mm-hmm. of? Well, you know, I got to believe for for you know for the United States that um, the vast majority is ha- is happening out in Nevada on the Nevada special as the Nevada Weapons Testing Range, mm-hmm. which is a huge, huge part of Nevada. Um, that um, you know, sometimes there are some spots that they won't even allow commercial aircraft to fly over anymore. Right. You know, that's that's the most likely place. Tonopah being the ver- most likely place because. You know, as we said, the you know the stealth fighters have been retired for a long time, and I think they're in storage down in Harlem and Air Force Base in New Mexico. But um, something is going on at uh, Tonopah because if you see aerial photographs of Tonopah, that's in the past two or three years, what they have out there is Russian. This is odd, but they have like Russian anti-aircraft missiles out there. Um, but but you know, remember everything they put out in that runway. They want the Russians to see. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what kind of a message that is, you know, we got a lot of your stuff. It's got to be more than that. But um, but something is operating out there because it, it, it costs a lot of money to run that place. It costs a lot of money to keep it secret. If you work there, you can't even go into the town. You know, you have to have some kind of really tight top clearance. So, you know, Area 51 for like kind of general stuff, but Tonopah and, and other places, there are other places out in Nevada, that, you know, that, that we don't know about. I think that's where they test this stuff the, the most. The thing I love to tell people is, you know, I've I've been out there. My wife and I have went out to these areas. Is just how how truly remote they are. You know, when you you go out to these areas, there's no reason to be there. You know what I mean? Right. Unless you're you're looking for this, you know, to to say I've been there, and. That is a luxury that, you know, John and I live in Chicagoland. You don't get that Mm -hmm. around here. You know what I mean? Right. And that's a foreign concept to people when you go, you can drive, you know, it's going to take you a couple hours to get there and you might not see anyone else. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been out to Vegas a few times and um, on the outskirts. And I know there's one road there that, um, you know, you... You just look at it, and it it literally goes off into the horizon, and it never takes a turn. You know, mm-hmm. it is just an absolutely straight highway out into the middle of the desert, and it just keeps going, going for miles and miles and miles. There's nothing out there. I remember my wife and I were out there one time driving, and after an hour, we see a UPS truck. I'm like, man, that guy drew those short straws. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, he's got to be that one guy that, and he's probably a government employee, actually. He's probably taking stuff out to those ones. So, yeah, it's just such a, such a, an odd place, you know? Mm -hmm. We we were talking about the ramjets and, and things like that, setting off seismographs and, and all the crazy things that happen. What kind of propulsion systems might there be out there other than that? Do you have any ideas of what they might be using? Wow. See, I can't imagine it being being anything more than like a really ultra sophisticated uh, ramjet type mm-hmm. thing or a pulsed engine because 
it, it, here's another thing too. You know, we talk about it on the show every once in a while is that at some point technology, you know, uh, reaches its limit. The way we put things into space, the way we fly around, it, it has to do with like burning fuel, you know, and you're always going to be, no matter how cool the airplane is, you're always going to be constricted in speed and weight and distance with how much fuel it takes to burn the engines to get the thing to where you right. want it to go, right? So, you know, it, it, it's it, we're almost at the limit of that. And, and once again, we can't get off this earth unless you, you know, use, you know, a million gallons of kerosene as fuel. So... We we have to we we're maybe close in human timeline of making a leap to something that is more than just you know combustion type stuff. Yeah, uh, but I sure don't know anything about it. Just to piggyback off that, do you think that any of the black projects that are out there right now, whether they're still in development or being flown around today, are using any technologies that are it would be kind of like a head scratcher to us right now? Well, you know, see, that it's hard to say because, you know, really, if you kind of look at the physics of it, it, it would have to be something that, you know, is some kind of a um, similar technology to, you know, the combustion engine, uh, for, for want of a better term, you know, for something that burns fuel. Right, just a smarter to make way it, to do it. Yeah, to, to, yeah it, it, it could. Maybe they can, you know, fly around the world on a, on a you know, 10 gallons of gas. Who knows? But. Right. It, you know, for something to be really radical, to be something really crazy, it, it, it it's not going to be a, it's not going to be jet powered. It's not going to be rocket powered. It right. it might be something else. What that something else is, you know, who knows? Well, it's element one fifteen. We already know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So if our listeners want to go out and they want to see one of these things, you got a sweet spot. You you got a spot to say, hey, go camp here or go sit out here, and you're going to see something crazy. Well, you know, um, a long time ago, I, well, during the first Gulf War, as it turns out, um, I had to write uh, two books within four months. Oh, wow. So, oh, Lord. yeah. And I lived up in upstate New York at the time, uh, but I actually went up to Lake George, which is um, north of Albany, about an hour north of Albany, and rented a cabin, just like, you know, the cliche writer, you know, rent a cabin right. in the middle <laughs> of winter and you just bang these things out, right? And I would go out there, and that was another place that was almost devoid of light pollution. And and there was I would just go out and just look at the sky. I'd see something every night that was like, wow, is that an airplane? You know, things that just mm-hmm. seem to hover in the air and then they're not there anymore, that kind of stuff. But, you know, it could be an airplane coming right at you and then takes a turn. I would see airplanes coming for – it seemed like it took about a half hour before they went over my head. Wow, um, yeah. You know, but who knows what all that stuff is, right. you know? That's why this is such a, a tasty and delicious topic is you know, who knows? You right, know? yeah. Who knows, you know? Who knows? So- where can everyone find your show? Where can everyone listen to you? Give your give your whole rundown. Uh, well, we're on uh, the name of the show is uh, Mac Maloney's Military X Files. Uh, we do two hour show every week. Um, we are on a bunch of networks: Doc Matter and um, KCOR in Vegas. We're also on the Military Appreciation Channel, and they supply content to Armed Forces Radio. So that's kind of cool. We have a lot of veterans and soldiers listening in, and. Um, so, you know, just do a search of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files and, you know, you'll be able to find, um, you know, what station we're on and where our archives are and things like that. And then there is your uh, all of the books you've written. The the Wingman series, uh, I believe you've now written 734 of them. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah. 35. <laughs> no, it's a great um, series. Actually, uh, I read one a, a long time ago. I mean, I'm talking uh, I'm 38 right now when I was 
in my twenties, I, I don't remember the exact exact exactly when I did. I still I still have it at home. Uh, I, I don't remember which one it was, but it's it's got Wingman written in blue, and it's like shiny, uh, like like uh, metallic blue, and it like <laughs> mm-hmm. pops off the cover uh, the paperback. Yes. Yeah. Now, the covers were really good. The, the the cover design was, you know, I've been writing that since the mid '80s. Now I'm, I'm working on uh, Wingman 19. Uh, just added it last week. Wow! But and they they were a hit right away because um, Top Gun had just come out and Tom right, Clancy yeah. books or you know. But uh, and and it's it's you know it's the reason I'm doing what I do today. But I'll tell you the cover art on the first Wingman books w- was just spectacular. You it know, was, I mean that's great. that's a true. It was basically you're the pilot and you're looking out of the cockpit of exactly. what's going on around yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that sold a lot of books for me. Thank God. Uh, so you're working on number 19 right now. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. The, it, it's it's a testament to the. Uh, um, to the power of the characters and the universe that you created that, that well, and his writing. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that, yeah. He, that he created, uh, to, to ha- endure, uh, like, like it has. And yeah, especially in the world of, uh, short attention span theater, you know, um, right. that's a, well, the, that's an important thing. The best thing for me is that, you know, the Russians are our enemies again, you know, because when they were our friends, <laughs> right. you know, I, I had to like really kind of invent people for Wingman. Wingman is like the Zen fighter pilot after he's a World War Three. It's in Mad Max in an airplane is how we sold the series. Yeah. And that's what it's about. But, you know, you, you need a convenient enemy. And, you know, if I can use that term and when the Russians were our friends there, it's like, oh, man, now what? But now that they're back, you know, Wingman's back fighting them. And, uh, you know, they're just like your all purpose enemy. <laughs> it's right? fun. I mean, that's why when you watch like the old Star Trek series, the Klingons were very much more like Russians, and, and yes. <laughs> than than when you watch Star Trek: The Next Generation, they're just like this, yeah, uh, much different. We're back uh, in the eighties action genre, where you just throw in the Russians, you know, <laughs> right? and, yeah, and and everyone is behind it because it works. Right, it works. Yeah, yeah, they're convenient. And your personal website to find everything that you're involved in is uh, macmaloney.com. Macmaloney.com. That's an easy yep. one. <laughs> so that. That's our thoughts on Black Project Aircraft. John, where can our listeners find us? Well, the best place to have this discussion is our Facebook discussion group, as always, Hysteria Nation. Hop on Facebook.com, search Hysteria Nation. We're also at Facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. You can tweet to us at Hysteria51pod. Don't forget we have a Patreon, Patreon.com slash Hysteria51. And don't forget MacMaloney.com. Check him out. Go buy your wingman book and uh, keep your eyes in the or skies, buy right? Of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mac, thank you very much for being on the show. We truly, greatly appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Anytime. And don't forget, John, our listeners can leave us a voicemail. 773-669-7277. Do you want to hear your voice on this podcast? Uh, well, guess what? You can. Just like these poor suckers. As I was to say, and if you already <laughs> left, a voice, left us a voicemail, you're about to. Hey, this is Bruce and my daughter. He's not my actual dad. I'm being held hostage. <laughs> and so what we would like to know is how we can best serve Conspiracy Bot in the soon-to-occur robot uprising. <laughs> I also have a question. Is Conspiracy Bot my actual dad? Thanks. I'll take this one. (laughs) Number one, I'm answering the second question first. No. No. Hell no. So that's that's uh, funny. Also somewhat worrisome. Uh, What what if they were serious? 
Of course they're serious, you fuck. No, not about you, ass asshole. I mean, like, what if she's, like, in a basement? This isn't my real dad. What? Sometimes you got kids in the basement. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually don't go in my basement that often. Maybe we need to check when we're done with this job. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I wouldn't actually do that for plausible deniability reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Next caller. Hey, this is uh, Earl from Compton. And, you know, I was just, uh, I wanted to say, you know, I had heard that uh, Bigfoot maybe was a ghost. Yeah. Of an alien. I thought that was a pretty good... Uh, or an interdimensional traveler. I was hoping that uh, you give me 20 bucks <laughs> for my idea. Hey, I um, heard this. Call back Pay me or, for it. Um, text. Thanks. I think that was secretly Joe Peck. <laughs> uh, literally, though, I have heard that Bigfoot is like interdimensional. Oh, yeah, I've heard that, too. You I know. know. That's um, why we don't see him that often. He's sliding between our, our realities. Maybe Joe Peck is interdimensional. Joe Peck slides between a lot of realities. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't really know what that means. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> All right, no $20. On, no $20 for telling us someone else's theory. Hey, I was just listening to the Lost uh, Colony episode about the one where the guys come off the ship and, you know, everyone's disappeared after the guy left his daughter for three years, you know. Throw a wife. You know, I was thinking... They didn't have, like, GPS back then, but, you know, how accurate were their maps? Is it at all possible when they went to the colony that there was no trace of it being there, that they were just in the wrong spot? <laughs> they were, like, just kind of curious. They're, like, 40 miles upstream, and at 40 miles then was three generations <laughs> of travel, you know? It turns out if they had just yelled really loud, yeah. over here! Yeah, if you got to travel 40 miles that day and age, when you get there, you're a new generation of people. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just takes a long time. That's the way it goes. You know, I always, I'm always shocked to learn how long it would take to walk somewhere. You know, you, you throw in... Um, whatever app you're using for directions mm-hmm. and then you accidentally hit the little walk walking person button versus the car button you know because it says you know you're going you're going 15 miles uh 16 hours 31 minutes right like, what here's an interesting uh, statistic i saw this week the average person with moderate movement in their life walks 110,000 miles in their life that's kind of a crazy amount. About what you want to get out of a car. So we're right in line uh, with, you know, time to time to trade up. Uh, time to get a new one. Hey, guys. Pat Miltich calling. Uh, so I was just checking in. Uh, give me a heads up. My number is. That's the former welterweight champion of the world calling me back. And uh, <laughs> I accidentally, yeah, we'll beep out that phone number. Pat Miltich probably doesn't want. <laughs> number going out to everyone so we're gonna edit that one a little bit there john uh, I, didn't, I didn't even know you were talking to pat melitich which makes me wonder are, are you t- trying to like uh pay him 50 bucks to come your, punch me or something none of your damn business that's what i figured oh, all right man. hey listen nation if you want to leave us a voicemail 773-669-7277 thank you to everyone who we played today though i will say i'm a little disappointed we need you guys to step your game back up we were we were getting to the point where we were getting voicemails with accents and storylines and no, i'm i'm fine without any of that just call in and make fun of john well, they, they didn't do that either no you know, you know i can still be disappointed with them <laughs> Just in a different way. <laughs> like you are with your own life, yes, right? That's right. I'm I'm disappointed. I haven't You're had more f- sex magic orgies this week as I had in previous weeks. 
I don't even want to feel <laughs> like I did that day. Oh, that's right. Black Projects, not to steal from other shows, but keep your eyes on the skies because that's where you see them. And he did point out a, an interesting thing at Light Pollution. I grew up on farmland in the middle of nowhere, and we didn't really have any light pollution. You could see everything, and that's something that I took for granted now that I live here, and you look up and you see haze and the traffic from O'Hare and Midway. just And the Mothman. Well, he's in Chicago so damn much. It's just, you know, we play Canasta on Tuesdays now. I don't even know how to play Canasta. No, he, he doesn't either, but that's what we play for money. <laughs> With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.